All right, please turn in your Bibles tonight to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. And we are in verse 20. We will finish the study of this book tonight. I hope that you have been helped by the Lord by a study of this book, maybe in spite of my shortcomings, that God's Word has, has helped your heart, that you've been helped by the Lord that you've been helped by Paul, that you have been helped by the church at Philippi that has been written to here. One thing we learn here is to be able to navigate through all the various circumstances in life that we face, that we would navigate through those things in confidence and without losing our joy, that would we would go through it joyfully. And before we close this letter, let's review. Let's look at what we've shared just for a few minutes as we try to summarize it. The first lesson in the first chapter, we I called it the branded believer. First of all, Paul titled himself... He could have titled himself as apostle, but he titled himself as a servant. Every Christian ought to title themselves that way. Every Christian ought to be thought of that way as a servant, never one that would want to be served. And then we see different brands throughout the beginning of this book. He writes to the church at Philippi and he calls them saints. And we're going to talk about saints in the end of this lesson tonight. And then we see the brand marks of a Christian in the beginning here. As Paul writes about having a thankful heart. A Christian will have a thankful heart. Will be prayerful. Will be joyful. Will have confidence. Will be loving. There's, there's righteousness that's been given to the Christian. And so we talked about the different brandings upon the Christian. And then we went into the maturity of the believer. The believer will, will mature as his Christian life goes on ideally. That's what the Lord has planned. I think of verse 9, that our love may abound in all knowledge and in all judgment. And so there is the abounding constantly for the Christian. You know, the salesman likes the fact that there's no ceiling on his commission income. Well, there's no ceiling on our maturity as a Christian. And we're meant to grow. And God has enabled us and given us everything we need to grow. But moving on from the maturity of the believer, we shared the greatness of the believer. Paul was a great example of the greatness of a believer. He said, for to die for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. With that being the mindset on a Christian's heart, I mean, that's greatness right there. Paul said, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a des desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. The greatness that God has for you and I, but we not only talked about the greatness of the believer, we talked about the greatness of a church. And to be a great church, there's many things that we can talk about. Of course, our foundation in Christ, that God be glorified, that Christ be magnified. But the two things in the text that we pointed out 
was the fact that we are to endure persecution. And we talked about the great importance of unity. Unity in a church. These two things were brought out for the greatness of a church. Unity and enduring persecution. And then we go on to the example for unity and humility we find in the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 are some of the most beautiful verses of Christ and His humility that, that you will read. And then Paul went on to talk about two more examples for unity. That was Timothy and that was Epaphroditus. Right there within the membership of the church was a great example in Epaphroditus. And yet what we know the church had a problem with is Euodius and Syntyche. These two that were divided instead of being sacrificial, they were selfish and it was having a great effect on the church. So therefore we talked a lot about unity. We talked about unity for, for several lessons and the great importance of, of unity. And then we went into talking about being uh, pressing on by faith and the experience of joy, the experience of of loving and knowing the word of God and knowing what's not the word of God and worshiping God. All of the things that we will press on in by faith and continuing in pressing on. We do not press on in self-righteousness. If you remember, we press on in Savior righteousness. If anyone were tempted to press on in self-righteousness, it would be Paul. From the world standards, I mean, he was the elite. He was the cream of the crop in every way, in his resume, in his portfolio to the world. But he says, I count it all as dung for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. So we press on in... In Savior righteousness. Paul did that. But Paul knew he wasn't perfect. But he followed he who is perfect. And, and, and in pressing on. He not only followed the one who is perfect. He was forgetting the past. And he was focused on the prize. Beautiful things we find there in chapter 3 about pressing on for the Lord. Following good examples. Being familiar with enemies. Looking to our eternity. And then recently in chapter 4, we've shared walking in the peace of God. That is something for you and I every day. I'm going to go ahead and say it again in the distinction of peace with God. That is something you positionally come into in one moment in your life. And you have peace with God for eternity. But it varies among Christians day by day whether we walk in the peace of God or not. But it is provided for you and I. And then last week we shared being initiated into this spiritual quality of contentment. We're not contentment on our we're not content on our own, but we're content because of him and everything we go through can be a lesson so you and I can learn to be able to be content as Paul, whether he was abased, whether he was abounded, in whatsoever state he was in, he was instructed, initiated both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer 
need. And so now we close with some very well chosen words. I'll put it in three points tonight. And we are in the closing salutations. You have the opening greetings of a letter. And you have the closing salutations of a letter. And a lot of people slight them. And a lot of people look at as though all of these are the same in most letters. And there's never a message usually given just to the opening or the closing salutations. But there are very special words. This is a special closing for this particular church. And it's things that they need. And it's things that you and I need. And the first thing we're going to see concerning giving our very careful attention to what is Paul going to say to this church in the last words as he's writing to them that they need to give very careful attention to that they might continue on glorifying God that they might be a church in unity. Well, they need to give very special attention to God. How about that? How about giving very special attention to God? It says there in verse 20, Now unto God. God is the sole creator. God is the sovereign ruler. He is supreme authority. He is ultimate power. He has made all and He rules all. He is above and beyond comparison. There is nothing or no one that you and I can measure next to God. It's an insult to try to do so. It's foolish to try to do so. There is no one like our God. Now unto God. Some very important things that we ought to focus on. One here is God. God is to be appreciated. God is to be praised. God is to be praised for being God. For being who He is. For what He possesses. Romans chapter 11 verse 33 says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. How about the love of God and the humility of God? How about the humility of God and that He humbled Himself to suffer for us? And how about the love of God and that He sacrificed Himself for our sins on the cross at Calvary so that He could justly adopt us? That the spirit of adoption might take place and we can become the child of God, the children of God. Nothing and no one can ever dilute who God is and what He is. He will never depreciate at all. Nothing can disqualify the worth of our God. Is it simple enough? We can pay and need and must and it behooves us to pay very careful attention to God that we praise him he's worthy of our praise he's worthy of personal praise it says here now unto God our father the world refers to him as a higher power that's unreachable and unobtainable And 
nothing personal about him to them. He is creator and some feel good in saying I believe in God and I believe that he is creator, even that he's a higher power. But the born again believer is a child of God and knows him as father. The world, the world thinks of him as some distant God, but he is a personal father to you and I. There is nothing distant about God to his children. He leads us. He not only leads us, but he takes care of us. He provides for our every need daily as a perfect father above any earthly father that we could ever have. He is a good father. He's a personal God and he loves us with a perfect parental love from heaven. It's good to call on him as as daddy, as, as Abba father. He's worthy of personal praise. We ought to praise Him in the prayer closet at home. We ought to praise Him when our child leaves the house. And we have a Father that we can call on and rely on to protect our children as they go out to do whatever they do. In, in, all, in all facets of life, in everything we go through, we can praise Him and we can call on Him. He's a good Father. He's worthy of personal praise. We're praising Him in the sanctuary tonight. We're praising Him with the Word of God. We have sang praises to His name. There are guests here to praise the Lord with us. We're worshiping Him as a congregation and giving Him praise, but, but let us never leave out personal praise at home. And, and in all we do in life. If we want to confuse our children, let us have a showing of praise here and then no praise for God personally outside and no trust in Him. We should praise Him all the time. He's worthy of personal praise. Paul had accomplished a lot at Philippi. He had done great things. I'm sure a lot of people praised Paul in the church of Corinth. Some said, I am a Paul. And, and you know, that caused a lot of division. It was wrong. And Paul could get a lot of praise. But Paul recognized something, recognized something very valuable that every Christian that is used by God must realize. And that is that Paul realized he was used by God. He realized that God was working through him. When he gave a missions report, he gave a report of what God did in him and with him and through him. And Paul desired no honor and no glory for himself, but that all the glory be given to God. No credit belongs to us. All the credit belongs to God. And this is what Paul is teaching them to do, that they would be very sensitive and very careful to give their attention to God and give him personal praise. Paul knew he wasn't great. Paul was not honor hungry, but he knew that God was great. And I hope we know that here tonight we are not great, but we have a great God. And he and we're not here to praise each other, but we're here to praise him. He is great. He deserves all our praise. And Paul gave him glory. Paul gave him glory while he was in prison. Let me say that again. Paul gave God glory while he was in prison unjustly. So whether we're in, we're in health or we're in sickness, we can give him praise. He's worthy of praise in sickness as well as health. Through the burdens, give him praise just as we do in the blessings. 
and all things that we experience, let us follow this great example of Paul and give him praise. He's worthy to be praised, not only personally, but perpetually. What does it say? Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. He, God is worthy of unending praise because He is eternal. And look at the instructions to the child of God. For the child of God to give praise forever and ever. The security of the believer. Praise God, we're going to heaven. Praise God, we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior and that He has given us His eternal life. He is eternal. We are everlasting. Eternal is no beginning and no end. And that's God. And that's, the, that's His life and His salvation He's given us. But we have everlasting life. We had a beginning, but we have no end. Praise God. That we can praise Him perpetually always. Our careful attention is deserved somewhere else. I said we're going to share three things. One is God. And our careful attention is to be given one to another. Reciprocally, back and forth, one to another. Our careful attention is to be on each other. Verse 21 says, Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me, greet you. All the saints salute you. That word salute has, has a couple of directions you can go with it. It's the idea of respecting one another. It's the idea of well wishes. Wishing well for the children of God. We need to give careful attention one to another. Here we see mutual care and attention that is given one to another here. Because Philippi met Paul's need. They sent to his need once and again. It wasn't a set up routine. It wasn't a ministry that was set up by a bunch of churches. They were meeting Paul's need. Over and over, this church at Philippi. And Paul wrote to them. Paul wrote to them to help them and to encourage them and to help to fix a problem. They had careful attention one to another. And look at the great things that were happening. Look at in the beginning of this book how Paul expressed his relationship to this church. He was very fond of this church. It was a very special church to him. Not because they gave him things, but because of the spiritual health of their life that they were giving. Among many other things that they were doing. Careful attention one to another. We need, we need to help one another. We need to have well wishes for everyone, especially those that are of the household of faith. The Holy Spirit bringing us together, having a kindred spirit one to another, 
the children of God as a family are a very special group, a very special family of people. Christians are called saints. Paul writes here in the end, and he said, salute every saint. Every Christian is a saint the moment they trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And and that Christian is always a saint. God forbid, God forbid there be a backslidden child of God not here tonight. Or God forbid someone here be backslidden one day. You are always a saint. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he didn't have a lot of great things. The opening salutation was different, and there were a lot of things going on in that church, but he called them saints. There's some big words here. Positional sanctification. When we are saved, we are set apart by God and our positions in heaven. We have positional sanctification. Every child of God does. Euodius and Syntyche in their situation, they're backslidden. They have no peace. They're not content with God. They're causing division in the church, but they are positionally sanctified. They are children of God. Progressive sanctification is another thing. And, and it's, and it's not okay for that not to be happening in our lives. But God forbid there be one that's not growing and even causing harm among the people of God. They're saints. A a, a Christian is always a saint, always set apart for heaven. And every saint is to be respected. Every saint is to be respected. Paul Paul and other preachers are the example here of saluting every single Christian. Preachers ought to be the example of that. I knew of a church, I hate to bring up negative stories, but it's, uh, but it's for a good purpose when I do. And, and I knew of a preacher, I mean, money wouldn't get him. He would not be swayed by money. He would not be swayed outside the circle of his marriage. I mean, I mean, the fire never got out of the fireplace at home and burned the house down. But it was that self-intoxication of deceiving self into thinking that he was something. And it spread through the church after it got a hold of him. And if there's discrimination in, in, in leadership... There's going to be discrimination among the people in the church. It's just going to happen. So Paul and the other ministers that came and, and went and the missionaries that came by, they are leading by example and saluting all the brethren there and all the saints wishing well, engaging and giving respect. God adopts children from the guttermost to the uttermost, and we're to share and embrace the lowly to the elite by the world standards and and all in between in one spiritual way as children of God. How about we give attention to God? And how about we give attention one to another? And how about we give attention to grace? 
How about grace? We find it in a lot of the opening salutations and the closing uh, that we find. And here in verse 23, it says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Paul wishes and supplicates for the helping favor of God in the lives of all there in that church. Yodius and Syntyche as well. He's desiring and wishing and desiring the best and praying for the best for everyone there. That God would be presently active in all of their lives. God has love and God has a free heartedness in his giving of his grace to his people. And it goes out to all requiring and expecting nothing in return. Look, God gives us commands. And as, as His children, we're expected by God to keep His commands. We, he's enabled us to live for Him, and we should. But when it comes to the aspect of this grace, grace from God is expecting and requiring nothing in return. We are saved by grace through faith, that not of yourselves, it is not of works, lest any man should boast. This is a gift, you understand. Unearned favor, we describe it as and define it as. Grace, it, this aspect of who God is and what He gives, expects absolutely nothing in return. Um, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. How beautiful it is to be saved by grace. The gospel of grace that Paul preached. To be, to be saved by, by God's gift, by God's favor of grace. How, how do we know that we've been saved by grace? Well, we grow. We grow in grace. We grow in grace one to another. James and John asked the Lord to just, those sons of thunder, just to bring fire down from heaven and consume some individuals. They didn't stay that way. Things changed with James and John later. Peter cut off that Roman soldier's ear. The enemy of God he cut his ear off. Then later on, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to the enemies of God and invited them to trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And 3,000 of the enemies of God were saved. People like to talk about the faults and the failures of Peter. Guess what? That's not how he entered into heaven. Peter grew. And in Second Peter, in the second letter he wrote, and in the last verse, guess what he says? Grow in grace. And God had grown him in his grace. We need, we need to give careful attention to the grace of God. Someone was once asked, what if the Lord treated you the way you treat others? 
And at the time, the person that that was told to, it was very, very frightening to them. When we grow in grace, when we've been saved by grace, and as we grow in grace, we're going to be a demonstration of the grace that God has given and bestowed upon us in Jesus Christ. We're undeserving of His grace, and we're going to demonstrate that to others as we grow in grace. Do you see where the church at Philippi needs this? Do you see where Euodius and Syntyche need this particular closing salutation? These closing words are wrapping up Philippi's need to bind together in unity. And I reckon as they read this short letter, they're probably sad, sad that it's ended. But they're also sad that some were thinking about and maybe in the process of joining Euodius' team. And some may have been in the process of joining Syntyche's team. And, and, and so the division may have been starting. And after reading this, praise God, it's, it's very, very, very probable to believe that they said, look, uh, I'm not on your team. Blessed are the peacemakers. I'm going to be between you and I'm going to do whatever God can, can help me to do along with that yoke fellow who was called out to help this situation. I'm not on your team. I'm not going to be on your team, but in the middle to bring this together and, and praise God, we can believe that by the power of the word of God, it's very probable that Euodius and Syntyche repented. Repented. And they were able to come back to the will of God. Come back to the experience of joy. Walk in the peace of God. And able to be content. When they came back to that gospel work that they had been doing with Paul. They were saved. They were saved and yet destroying the church. So there's some things that every Christian, every member of the church, no one's left out just like a chain and one weak link changes everything to do with that chain. We're, we're all important. Every child of God is important. Every child being submissive to the Holy Spirit and leadership of the Spirit. Every child loving and knowing the Word of God. Every child looking to build up one another. Everyone looking to say, how can I make unity better as one in my church? It is so important that we give our careful careful attention to these things. This will this will cause these two ladies to repent. This will cause the church to bind back together. A couple of things as we close that I wanted to spend about 10 minutes on. We're not going to do that. But just a couple of simple things. In this letter, there are three phrases that in in that end in the Lord. One of them is stand fast in the Lord. We need to rely on the, the Lord's strength for the attack of the devil in our lives, okay? And then another is to be of the same mind in the Lord. And our focus is to be on Christ. And the last one that we find in this letter is to rejoice in the Lord. 
rejoice in the Lord, to not lose our joy. For the, for the constant experience of, of joy in our life, we can't base it on our circumstances, but by faith in Christ and our focus on Him, we can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Um, Terry Metter, I'm going to ask you to close in a word of prayer. It's, it has been so great to have, to have Kevin here with us tonight. Um, I take it that he's kind of new to what he's doing right now, even though he's been in ministry a long time. So please pray for him especially. And everyone, please see Glenn Boone that can, that can be of a great help to Bud.